Well, if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fact that if you're average, right? You've been told you're average all your life. But if you are actually indeed average in this country, uh, you can expect to live somewhere around 28,000 days. And this is 28,000 marbles. So each marble represents a day. And if you're average, uh, you're gonna get 28,000 days. That's around 78 years. And, and a lot of us are thinking uh, when it comes to being below average, average is like shooting the moon. You don't wanna be below average, but some of us will. Some of us won't even get to 28,000 days. Uh, some of us right now in this room, maybe watching online or there in Somerset, some of us right now, uh, we have already reached that above average status. That means you've lived longer than 28,000 days way to go, that's awesome. But you don't know how many more days you actually have, so there's that. And, and so here, here we all are, and hopefully we may be average and have 28,000 days. Some of us will have less, but some of us will have more. And that's the reason it's so important to ask the right question. It's not how long will we live, because we will all live different lengths of time, but how much will we live? Every marble, Every marble matters, every day matters. And here's the thing, even though we may have a different amount of numbers that you know, we can attach to how long we lived, and even though you may have more marbles or less marbles than somebody else, here's the thing, all marbles are created equal. Every marble that you get and every marble that I get, they are all created equal because inside every marble, inside every day, all of us, rich or poor, no matter what our stories are, good, bad, or ugly, we all get 24 hours in this marble. We all get 1,440 minutes in this marble. We all get 86,400 seconds in this marble. It's non-discriminatory. It's the same. It's equal for you, equal for me. It really doesn't matter. When we get a marble, our marbles consist of the same thing. Now, this is why this is so important because we need to understand how time itself works. We go to funerals, and we see you know, people's lives and all the days that they lived. We go to their funerals and, and we sing a few songs and you know, somebody gets up and we talk about their life as this holistic thing. And really, we don't dive into the minutia of their lives or the details of their lives so much. We talk about perhaps the high points and the low points. We talk about those monumental moments, those, you know, those big moments of life. And, and we kind of leave it there. And that's how we say goodbye to people by just talking about three or four things. But when you think about a life, when you think about all that goes into a life, really life consists of seconds, which became minutes, which became hours, which became days, which became weeks, which became months, which became years, that became decades, that became seasons of our lives, that ultimately you put it all together and that is the sum total of the life we lived or didn't live. That's the reason we've been looking at this prayer that says, teach us to number our days. Moses, the leader, prophet of Israel, gave us this prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Start praying this way so you can start thinking this way. Start praying this way so you can start thinking this way because when you think this way, you get wisdom. Wisdom to take every marble that you're given. Take every marble and you live life the way that Jesus said you could live life, which is extraordinary life before death, because we all know that Jesus talked about eternal life after death, but when we have wisdom because we count our days, we know that seconds become minutes, which become hours, which become days, and so on and so forth, we understand the value of a single marble. We understand that because of the power of a marble, that every second and every minute and every hour and every day has significance. 
So here's what we all hope we do. We all hope that we wake up in the morning. I mean, isn't that it? We hope we wake up in the morning. Many of us, we went to bed last night assuming we would wake up in the morning. And as chance would have it, as God would have it, you were right. But perhaps there will be a time when you're not right. And that's the reason Moses said, teach us to number our days. But here's the goal. We wanna wake up and think, wow, I made it. I got here, I survived, right? Here I am, I've got another marble. You get out of bed and you're like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna be happy, I'm gonna rejoice. I'm going to live today because I have one marble, it's called today. I had a marble yesterday. I may have used it well, I may not have used it well, but I have today's marble. I'm not sure if I'll have a, you know, a marble tomorrow, but I have today's marble. So I'm aware of how significant it is. I'm aware because I'm aware of death. And the more aware of death I am, the more inspired I am to live. And so what I wanna do is, and what you wanna do is, in the best case scenario, I wanna wake up. Let's just take today. I woke up, you woke up, here you are, you have a pulse, you're sitting upright, your eyes are open. Please, for the sake of keeping everything normal, stay with us until the end. <laughs> Don't cash a marble in before, before the time. But, but what we all hope is we wake up and then at the end of today, when we get there and we're getting ready to go to bed, that we'll look back over the seconds and the minutes and the hours of this day and hopefully we'll be able to file it under lived. Lived. That we wanna put it under the category of lived. That we wanna wake up and hopefully in our minds and in our hearts, we wanna file every day under lived. We don't wanna wake up and we don't wanna forfeit the day. We don't wanna give away the day, but no, we wanna wake up today and we wanna be able to go to bed tonight saying, I have filed this under lived. Today, I just didn't exist, I lived. Today, I just didn't go through the motions, I lived. Today, I just didn't play it safe, but I lived. Today, I just didn't do the same old thing that I always do, but I lived. Today, I actually lived life. Life extraordinary, rich, and satisfying, and full. Today, I woke up, and I did what I always do, but yet I lived through it all. I was aware, I was present. I did not give away my day to frustration. I did not give away my day to sin. I did not give it away to selfishness or unforgiveness or bitterness or pettiness. No, I'm gonna file today under lived. And if this is my last day, I'm grateful of how I lived today. Now, truth be told, that's how we all wanna be at the end of the day. When you go to bed tonight, when you go to bed tomorrow, God willing, we all want to be able to file and underlive. But if the truth also be told, that's not how it always is. A lot of times we wake up and we get our marble and it's the same minutia, it's the same mundane life, it's the same routine, it's the same thing, but yet we don't see any specialness about it. We don't see any value in it. We don't see the glory of it. We don't see the beauty of it. And we just go through our day and truth be told, there's a lot of nights when we get ready to go to bed, we could file it under wasted, wasted. Matter of fact, truth be told, many of us, whoa, there's one. Many of us have unfortunately taken a lot of days of our life 
and we have fouled it under wasted. These are the days that you have wasted, not the days that you have been wasted. These are the days that you wasted, okay? And many of us, if we're honest about it, we would say that there's been a lot of our days we were given a marble, but at the end of that day, there was nothing to show for it. We didn't do anything significant. We were selfish, we did not serve, and we just wasted it. How many husbands and wives have woken up in the morning with a marble? And before you ever get out of the bedroom and start headed to the kid's bedroom, something went off the rails. Perhaps it was with a morning no. Some of you, it's been so long, you're like, what? No to coffee? Breakfast? Carbs? What is he talking about? Because of a no or because of a facial expression or because someone didn't say something, someone didn't do something, all of a sudden, you started cashing in your marble with pure pettiness. You were mad at her and she was mad at you. Then you were mad at the kids. Then you went to work, you came home and you were still mad about it. And you can't even remember what you're mad about now, but you're not gonna talk to each other at this point because the game has to be played well. <laughs> you go to bed. And you're laying there and she's laying there and you're just waiting. I'm not saying I'm sorry again. I'm not rolling over again. Matter of fact, she can ask me so I can say no to her. But you know that's not gonna happen. So you go to bed and you're mad and you're angry and you're ticked off and you know what? You spent a whole marble wasted because of pettiness. Could have been a day when you loved her and she loved you. Could have been a day where you showed your kids what it means to love her and what it means to love him. Maybe as a parent after last week, you kind of feel like, hey, I've been parenting, and, but I've not been parenting. I, I've kind of taken my hands off the wheel and I kind of feel like I've wasted some of the opportunity, wasted some of the marble with my kids. Oh my goodness. Some of us, we have given away marbles to bitterness yeah, you're living, but you can't live to the full because there's bitterness and you're having to chalk up waste day, waste day, waste day, waste day because bitter. For some, it's unforgiveness. You keep packing it around and you can't live life to the full. For many of us, we've woken up and tragically, unfortunately, we've had to file some of this under wasted because we forgot the power of the marble. We forgot the value of the marble. And the fact of the matter is, many of us, many of us know the pain of wasted days. Many of us still live with the pain and the regret of wasted days. Wasted days as husbands and wives, wasted days as men and women, wasted days, wasted days. We all kind of know the pain that goes along. Oh, no, of a wasted day. But what do we do with that? What do we do about wasted days that become wasted months, that become wasted years, that become wasted seasons of life? What do we do about that? 
Here's my question. Is there anything we can do about that? Is there anything, is there something that we can do about wasted years, lost years, lost marbles, lost days? Is there anything that you can do about that? Is there anything that I can do about them? Somebody says, forget them. But I would say, forget them. You can't forget them. I can't forget them. That's my story. That, that's, I, I, I try to forget those wasted days. There's a lot of regrets and bad decisions and bad choices and, and just mundane living in there. And I, I can't forget that because it's, ignore them. I can't ignore them. They're just part of my story. How do I ignore them? I know I can't relive them. So what do I do? What do you do? What do we do with wasted years? Now, let's play, let's play what if for just a moment. What if you could rescue them back? What if you could rescue back wasted years? What if there was some way that you could reach back and grab some of the wasted marbles? What if you could buy back wasted marbles? What if you could buy back wasted days? What if you could rescue them back? What if you could do that? What if I could do that? What if we could do that? What if we could rescue lost days? What if we could buy back lost, wasted marbles? What if I said you could? What if I said we could? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be good news? What if, what if today offered you the opportunity to do something that would not only affect tomorrow, but could also retroactively affect yesterday? What if, what if you could do something today and I could do something today that would not only reach and ripple into the future, but would also reach and ripple into the past? What if that were true? There's a guy who wrote half the New Testament, and his name is Paul, and Paul seemed to think that that very thing was possible. He seemed to believe that there would be a way for you and me to rescue lost days, to rescue lost marbles, because Paul, Paul was a man who understood the pain of wasted years. He was a man who understood the pain of wasted days. Now, if you don't know anything about Paul, we're first introduced to him in the New Testament as Saul of Tarsus. And before he was a Christian, he was a Christian hater. He was a Christian persecutor. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was like all things Jewish. He loved his Jewish faith, his Jewish tradition. And he saw Christians and Christianity and this Jesus movement as a threat to his Judaism. And so the thing that he wanted to do was wipe Christians off the face of the planet. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He hated the church. So he killed them. And he imprisoned some. He carried out acts of injustice and violence against other people that were completely innocent. That's how he spent his days before he came to Jesus. But then on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus meets the resurrected Jesus. Jesus changes his life. He becomes known as Paul. And Paul makes the decision that for the rest of his life, as much as possible, he is going to use the marbles that he has given. And he is gonna live it to the full. He's gonna live it extraordinary as Jesus promised. And he's gonna spend his life telling other people how to have life. He's gonna spend the rest of his life traveling around the empire, telling other folks how that Jesus came, died and was buried and was raised from the dead so that they could be in a right relationship with their creator, their heavenly father. And so he decided he was gonna spend the rest of his days and file them under lived because he knew the pain of wasted yesterdays. 
He knew the pain of wasted marbles, of wasted days. Now, Paul's past and his wasted yesterdays, they come out in his writings quite a bit if you pay attention. He writes a letter to a group of Christians living in Philippi and he says, do your best to forget the things which are behind you. Look forward to the things which are ahead and reach towards the goal. Try to live your life to the full and file your marbles underlived. And if you, if you just listen to Paul, you can hear him trying to move past his past. You, you can hear him moving past the pain of his wasted marbles. He would tell Timothy, his little protege, he would say, Timothy, I am the chief of all sinners. Well, what do you think he was thinking about when he said that? I think he was thinking about all of his wasted marbles and what he did with those wasted marbles. And he even felt like that a little bit with the marble that he had in his hand. So Paul, who knew the pain of wasted marbles, he wrote a letter called the letter to the Ephesians, or we call it the book of Ephesians, a group of Christians living in a city called Ephesus. It was one of the most pagan cities of the Roman Empire. They had one of the most famous temples, the Temple of Diana. They had one of the most famous pagan temples in all of the ancient world. And these pagan people, they lived like pagans do. They were pagan. And then Paul told them about Jesus and a lot of those pagans became followers of Jesus. And now they're still a little pagan and Christian all at the same time. And they're trying to, like many of us, work off the rough edges of our paganism. Many of us were pagans before we came to Jesus. Some of us were still a little bit pagan even though we're trying to follow Jesus and we're trying to be the man, the woman that God is calling us to be. So he writes to a group of pagans who lived as pagans, who are now followers of Jesus. A group of people who also knew about the pain of wasted days, the pain of wasted marbles. And he writes to them, and he's gonna write this incredible letter that people have written volumes about. And, and I'm not an author and I'm not a scholar, but let me give you my synopsis of the book of Ephesians. This is how I would sum up what Paul is writing from chapter one through chapter six. He says, because of Jesus today, you are not who you were yesterday. And tomorrow you will not be who you are today. Today you are better than you were yesterday, but not as good as you will be tomorrow. That's kind of what Paul's talking about through the whole letter. You once were far from God, but God intervened. And by grace, you have been saved, not by works. You have been saved by the grace of God. And now you are not today who you used to be yesterday, but God's doing a work in you. He that started a work in you, he's gonna finish it. He's gonna complete it. You were created for good works. And because of it, Tomorrow, you're gonna to be better than you are today, even though today you're better than you were yesterday. So he's talking about this journey of faith and how we're all trying to live in the present with the past and trying to get to the future and make it the best possible. So he writes about what we can do with wasted marbles, with wasted days, and about what we can do possibly to rescue them back. It seems crazy. We've been told all of our lives, we can't do anything about the past. The past is past. But Paul is gonna tell us how to buy it back, how to rescue it back. And so here's what he says to these believers. He says, be very careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be, careful. be very careful then how you live. Careful because every second, every minute, every hour, every day matters. Be careful, right? Your kids are getting ready to go outside and you feel like outside's a little more dangerous and a little bit more unpredictable than inside your house. So your kids are getting ready to go outside and you're like, be careful. Especially if they're going outside with their bow and arrow. 
And you're saying, be careful. They're going outside with their BB gun. They're going to ride their bike down the driveway and they're going to go onto the street in front of the house. Be careful. What are you trying to say to them? Pay attention. <laughs> keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Don't just go through the motions like you kind of do here in the house. Pay attention. It's dangerous out there. And so Paul, he says, here's how you should live your life. You should live your life counting your days, understanding the power of today, the power of a marble. Be careful with your marble. Be careful with your day. Be careful with those seconds and those minutes and those hours. Be careful. Pay attention. Pay attention to how you're living your life. Evaluate how you're living your life. Say, well, how do I evaluate how I'm living my life? You evaluate how you're living your life by how you're spending your time. Because time equals life and life equals time. God cares about you. Therefore, God cares about how you live your life. And because God cares about how you live your life, God cares about how you spend your time. So Paul says, be careful. Keep your eyes on what's valuable. That's what that word means, be careful. It means to guard, to keep your eyes on what is valuable and to guard it and protect it. And Paul says, your marble is valuable. Your day, your time, your present is valuable. Keep your eyes on it, pay attention, keep your ears open and guard it because it's so very important. Be careful, right? We all have a way that we drive when we're careful. Some of you, you kind of like the, you drive like this normally. But when you're careful, when the road conditions are bad, it's snowy, it's rainy, you got somebody else's kids in the back, right? You drive any old way with your kids because you figure, hey, we all know Jesus. If we all go out, we're gonna be in heaven together, right? But I got somebody else's kids in the car. I'm gonna drive slower, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna pay attention. And you're careful, it's snowing, other kids in the car, both hands on the wheel. Would you turn down the radio? I can't think to drive, right? I don't know why turning down the radio helps us drive better. But in those moments, we think so, and our phones are down and we're paying attention. We got both hands on the wheel. That's what it means to be careful. We're aware of what's going on around us. We're aware of where we are on the road. We're aware of where other people are on the road. We are present in the moment. We are more present in the moment because we're careful. Have you ever been driving down the road? And all of a sudden, you're like, where did the last seven miles go to? I don't remember them. Oh my God. And then you kind of get that little sick feeling in your stomach. Was I just totally zoned out? Was, what happened? Now, when you're careful, you know you're there, you're in the moment, you're present, you're aware, you're engaged, you're not passive, you're intentional, you're careful. You're carrying a cup of coffee and it's filled to the brim and it's super hot and you don't wanna burn yourself, so what do you do? You carry it carefully. You don't carry it normally. You don't carry it like you carry a half a glass of water. Now you're just not walking through, hey everybody, what's going on? How's it going? Oh. You're quiet. You're paying attention because you don't wanna get burned. You're, you're careful. You're aware, you're fully present in the moment. You know what, you know what carefulness causes us to do? To slow down the pace, to pay attention to detail, to feel the moment, to engage with what's happening. We're, we're never more like this, I think, than when, than when we have a newborn. We're like that when we first have a baby come to our house. 
especially other people's. Leslie, one of our staff members, she, she convinced one of the ladies to let us borrow their baby for a minute. <laughs> so you will be carry the baby. We talk lower. We walk slower. Because, and I wouldn't dare pick it up because I would break its neck. And we're so, we're so careful, we're so intentional, we're so fully present. I'm not gonna run with this baby. I'm not gonna jump off the stage with this baby. I'm not gonna yell in front of this baby. I'm gonna be careful. I'm gonna be attentive, fully aware, because it's valuable, so important, right? You remember that? You held that baby for the first time. You held somebody else's baby for the first time, right? You have your kids. Two weeks later, you're throwing them around on the couch. It doesn't matter. But I'm talking about those first few days. And you're so careful. And everything you do, it matters. See, if that were a real baby. That would be disturbing. That would be horrifying. But we do that with life all the time. We do that with time all the time. Paul says, be careful. Be present in the moment. Husbands, be present in the moment with your wife. It does not look like this, being present in the moment with your wife. Wives, be present in the moment with your husband. Parents, be present in the moment with your children. Children, be present in the moment with people. Be present. Don't be absent. Be fully aware in the moment. Listen to people. Look at people. Be present. That's what he said. Be careful how you live. Every decision matters. Every choice matters. Because today matters. Today matters. Now, some of you are really bothered by that. <laughs> Ask the person beside of you for a nerve peel. <laughs> they may just have it. Paul's point is this, when you believe that every moment has purpose, and as Christians we do, you are motivated to be present in every moment. When you believe that every moment has purpose, you're motivated to be present in every moment. It's your marble man. It's your day, come on, what are you gonna do with it? Be absent, followed under wasted again. So Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Because a wise person realizes how important the marble is. Unwise or foolish people, they get up every day and they get caught in repeating patterns of bad behavior, repeating patterns of unhealthy behavior. And they do the same old thing, the same old way, the same old thing, the same old way, and they're following one after the other, right here, foolishly, unwisely, stuck in the same pattern of doing the same thing the same way, giving away time, giving away marbles. That's the unwise person. Do you know what the proverb says? The unwise person, the fool, is like a dog that keeps returning to its vomit. That's kind of how we work from time to time. We just keep going back and keep going back. And we know we need to change and we hear that we need to change, but we just keep going back because we're stuck in the pattern. Wise people build their things on things that matter. Wise builders build on the rock and not the sand. Wise builders follow the teachings of our Savior because they don't want to waste their days. So Paul goes on and he says, making the most of every opportunity. That's the NIV. Maybe the New King James is more familiar to you. 
Redeeming the time then, Paul says. Be very careful how you live. Don't be unwise, but be wise. So you can make the most of every opportunity. So that you can redeem the time. Now, I'm gonna tell you a couple of things that you probably don't think you care about when I first start telling you, but I promise you, if you'll listen, at the end of it, you're gonna care about what I'm about to tell you. There's two Greek words in the New Testament for time. Kronos and Kairos. Kronos and Kairos. Kronos is clock time, it's calendar time. It's past, present, future, it's linear time. Kronos in Greek mythology was a god, Kronos was his name. And in Greek mythology, Kronos was a god who had strong legs, he was a short god, he had wings on his heels, and he was super fast. And when Kronos, this mythological god, would pass you by, there's no way that you could catch up with him because that's the way time is. Once time passes you, you can't catch it. And even if you feel like you're getting close to time, Kronos, this mythological god, had a head full of hair, but all of his hair grew forward and he was bald in back. As a way of saying, there's nothing for you to grab onto when time passes you by. And in the New Testament, Kronos is all about seconds and minutes and hours and days. Kronos is a human measurement of time. God does not measure time in Kronos. God is timeless, God is spaceless, God is immaterial, outside of all of that. Kronos is minutes, but Kairos, Kairos is the Greek word that Paul uses here for opportunity. It is also the word that he uses for time. And Kairos is not minutes, but Kairos is moments, seasons. We might say defining moments, moments of opportunity. Moments when you seize an opportunity that ripples into the future and it ripples into the past. It's this Esther for such a time as this kind of thing. A moment when God speaks and God knocks at your heart and God whispers in your ear and God taps your shoulder and God prompts you and he gives you an opportunity to do something, to step out of the boat that could possibly change everything about your future and reinvent everything about your past. This is the time that Paul is talking about. So he uses the terminology, he says, redeeming the time. To redeem is to rescue from loss, to buy back, to restore. Redemption, redeem, that's what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us out of the tyranny of darkness and sin and death. He rescued us from lost. He restored us from death to life. And Paul says, what Jesus did for us, this is, this is so good. What Jesus did for us, you have the capacity to do with time. You can buy back. You can restore. You can rescue lost marbles. How, Paul? By seizing the moment by taking your defining moment and doing what you're supposed to do. You redeem it by not managing the minutes, you do it by managing the moment, the get out of your boat moments of life. When God whispers to you, when God knocks on your heart and says, hey, big boy, big girl, not big girl, <laughs> big girl, big boy and girl, you're headed that way but I'm headed this way. Hey, you're getting ready to jump off into something and it's gonna be bad for you. 
And it's gonna hurt you and it'll hurt some other people. Come on, back away from that with me. Hey, there's somebody in your life you can make a difference in. And there's something you could do to serve them or love them. It's that moment when God just intersects with your life in those special moments when he's saying, come on, there's something I need you to do. This is the way I need you to do it. There's something I need you to lay aside. There's something important. It's Moses at the burning bush. It's David in front of Goliath. It's Peter casting his net on the other side. It's the opportunity that you have to do the right thing. And when you seize it, Paul says, you redeem the time. You rescue the time. You restore the time. And we all want that to be true. And Paul says, it is. That when you love those in your life, when you love her and you love him the way you're supposed to love her and love him, when you love your son and daughter and you raise them the way that you're supposed to, when you live for other people to serve them and not be selfish to be served by them, when you're out there and you forgive what's been done wrong against you, you let go of the bitterness, you let go of the grudges, when you discover that you were created on purpose for a purpose, when you start living in that moment, knowing those things and exhibiting those things and practicing those things, Paul said all of a sudden, you may not even realize it, but you are rescuing time that you thought you lost. You are restoring days you thought were gone this is incredible. You're redeeming the time. So he says, make the most of every opportunity. Why, Paul? Because the days are evil. We only have so many of these. So we got to do what we need to do in the moment. Don't procrastinate what you know you ought to do. Amen. Don't put it off. Do it today. Don't be lazy. Do it today. Don't neglect what you know you're supposed to do. What God's been whispering, what God's been prompting, what God has been calling you to do. Don't get distracted. Don't be so busy that you don't seize the moment of today's marble. And then he finishes it up and he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you know, we make the Lord's will so flippin' complicated and we make it so mysterious, praying about the will of God, seeking the will of God, do you have a word about the will of God? Do you know that the will of God is for you to live? Do you know that the will of God for you is to live life extraordinary? Do you know that the will of God is for you to live a life that is rich and satisfying and full? Do you know that the will of God for you is to love and to forgive and to serve and to give yourself away? Do you know that the will of God is for you to be the best husband and the best wife and the best mother, the best father, the best man, the best woman, the best student, the best human being that you can be? Do you know that the will of God is for you to glorify Him, that the will of God is for you to make decisions that's for your good, for His glory, that doesn't undermine your life or someone else's life? Do you know that the will of God is not so complicated after all. For some of you, the will of God for you today is as simple as forgiving who needs to be forgiven. For some of you, the will of God is burying that bitterness once and for all. Letting go of the pettiness and the immaturity and the begrudging. 
For some of you, the will of God is to walk away from that sin. And I don't need to call the sin. I don't need to name the sin. I don't even have to give you a chapter or verse for the sin because God, the Holy Spirit, has already been speaking to your heart and he's asking you to step away. And the will of God is as simple as taking a step away. For some of you, the will of God is as simple as adjusting your schedule as a family. It's as simple as investing in your marriage and investing in your children. You see, time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. I think Paul, it's possible, I don't know, but he was an Old Testament scholar. I think it's possible that he thought back to a season in the life of Israel, in the history of Israel, when they had become busy, affluent, and had turned their back on God. They were walking this way and God was walking that way and God sent the prophet Joel to them to say, You're busy. You're distracted. You're not building on what's most important. Come back. Rend your heart, not your garments. Call a solemn assembly. Pray and fast and return to me. And they would not. And God allowed them to suffer the full weight and the consequence of their sins. A swarm of locusts, a plague of locusts came upon the land of Israel and destroyed their harvest, their crops, their seeds. And God, in grace and mercy, because he cares too much about us to let us waste our days. He cares too much about you to let you waste your years. And so he sends the prophet back to them and he says, if you'll come to me, even now, if you'll return to me, even though everything has been destroyed and it seems as though everything has been lost, if you'll return to me, he makes this promise. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. God said, if you'll come back to me, I'm gonna fill your fields and I'm gonna fill your barns and I'm gonna fill your plates. I'm gonna fill your cups and you're gonna be satisfied. If you'll come back to me, you're not gonna miss what the locusts have stolen away the past few years. If you'll come to me, you're gonna be so fruitful in the season to come. You won't miss what you lost in the season that was. I'm gonna restore the time. I'm gonna redeem the time. I'm gonna help you buy back the time. And what you thought you lost in the last season, you're gonna be able to gain it back in the next season. The idea being when you turn to God, he will return to you the life you gave away when you turned away from him. That's the reason Paul said, and we know that for those who love God, all things, everybody say all things work together for good. When you seize your moment, when you live in the moment and you say, this is the day, I'm not gonna exist, but I'm gonna live. I will not be content to be served, but I will serve. I'm gonna love, I will forgive, I will show grace, I'll be the man that God created me to be, I'll be the father that God created me to be, I'm gonna seize my moment, step out of my boat, and when we do that, God begins to reach into our yesterdays and God begins to reach into our wasted days and our wasted years. And he does what only he can do. He adds grace. 
He adds mercy. And all of a sudden, he turns it for good. And he deposits it as stories that we can tell. And lessons that we can learn. And scars that we can show. To say that even though I was what I used to be, I am not that anymore. That God's doing something in me. And I'm not who I'm going to be yet. And only God can do that. But it all begins today. So what you think you've lost is not lost. When you use what happened yesterday, when God uses it for good, when it's a story that brings him glory, and it's a story that God worked for good for you, God's rescuing back what you thought you had lost. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Baby, you're here today. And what you need to hear today is this. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, today is the day. This is your moment. Seize the moment and watch God begin to redeem, rescue what was lost. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, today I receive your gift of grace and love. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. You were buried. You were raised from the dead. And today I follow you. Change me so that I'm not who I was yesterday. But continue to change me so that I'll be even better tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it, would you just slip up a hand and say, Trevor, I prayed that prayer. I meant it with all of my heart. You just slip it up. Anybody? There's a hand. Anybody else? Just a hand up and back down. There, there's a hand. Anybody else? Just, just a hand up and back down. If you're here and you would say, you know what? I think I'm in a defining moment. This is one of those moments. I need to change some things as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a family. I need to change it as a student, young man, a young woman. I'm single. I, I got some things I need to adjust. And today I feel like there's a defining moment. And there's a decision I need to make. I need to seize the moment. If you feel like you're in one of those moments, would you just slip up a hand just for a second? Say, Trevor, that's me. Just pray for me. There, there's hands all over the place. Anybody else? Just there's another. Anybody else? You slip it up and say, that's me. There's another. Anybody else? Just I'm in a defining moment. There's some things I need to do. Father, give us the courage to do what you're calling us to do. And Father, as we sit here for the next few moments, may we choose to build our lives on what is most important, that is Jesus. Because when we build our lives on Jesus, both our present, our past, and our future is filled with hope. In Jesus' name.